Thank you for tuning in to Our Black Voices Matter. We can't remain silent. We must speak up. So let the conversation begin. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Luke P. Sanders. And I want to first of all say thank you to Keith for having me on and for giving me this platform to talk about being black in America and everything that that's come with. Um, So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, For me, being black in America has meant a lot. And... I believe that there's been a lot of different things that I have not gotten to experience or have the opportunity um, to be able to do it, whether it was a job or partnership or whatever the case may be. You know, so being a black in America, I think I've experienced people trying to make themselves more comfortable with me. Just being around or... It's like they always have to say something to either justify another black person or even another being tall person. Um, it's, it's sad to say sometimes, you know, being tall or being uh, big or <laughs> being bold almost makes it worse in society, in society's eyes um, a lot of times. So you get a lot of people trying to justify your existence, either if it's like, Saying how tall you are, or thinking you're a football player, always thinking you're a football player, um, <laughs> or come out the color of your skin, or you not being light enough, or you being brown, or people trying to define your skin. And at the end of the day, I'm African American. It's yeah, I, I don't even know. If, there's just so much that's come with being black in America. Like I really don't even know where to start or where to end, honestly. Um, yeah. One thing I will say that I experienced this year, actually, um, I think some discrimination, you know, I was, I had a contract with a company, um, for a year and there were things that I was told that I will receive, um, that they were doing. That's what the part, that's, that was the whole reason for me signing. And, um, I was patient. I went back and forth um, saying, okay, this is what you said that you would do. You haven't done it yet. And I was told to calm down. I was told to be patient. Um, Or they would throw me a bone. You give me some little extra. Um, You know, and then I couldn't get in touch with the the owner or the person who created the company. I used to, when we first started, I used to be able to talk to them directly. I understand people have um, teams and stuff like that, and they might not always be available but it's felt different, you know, with those emails telling me to calm down and to be patient about stuff that I was told that I would receive. And that was my reason for signing. It wasn't just like a, like a benefit or like a, it was like the whole thing, the whole reason for me to sign. Cause this, this wasn't a contract that I was like, okay, just a contract. This is a contract that this is a partnership that I invested um, money into. So I expected to get the things that I said that um, I was going to get, that I was told that I was going to receive. 
Um, so yeah, just time going on, me being more patient, um, and them throwing me bones here and there, you know, at the top of the year, I was just like, okay, my contract is already almost up and I haven't gotten the things that I said or that I was told that I was going to receive, you know? And then when, um, without me telling too much, um, the, the service that I was providing, providing from, for them was doing really well. It was doing publicly well. Um, but it didn't have anything to do with them. It was a service that I was doing. It was something that I was doing before I signed with them. So it was my own thing. My, my name, um, Honai, I just gave it to them or put it on their platform as well. Um, and they kind of took credit for it. They did an article about it, like as if it was them for the reason of the success of the project. So after that, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm done. Like you're going to write an article not spelling my name right, not even having the right name at all, defining the project for what it's not. And <laughs> so at that point, I, it was it was other stuff too that I won't get into because of contracts and stuff like that. But um, it was, yeah. So I went back and forth, you know, with the emails. I was like, listen, I was like, my contract is up. I've could have taken this further and I didn't. Um, but now I'm like, this is the time. And I was like, if we can't find a happy medium, then I'm going to have to take more actions. And then after that, it's got, it has got very, it got very unprofessional because I'm like, you realize you're the, you're over the company. So this person started taking it personally and I understand I was really going forward, you know, but being paced over 10 months. I'm definitely going to go for it. I was definitely professional, but I was definitely like, okay, boom, boom, pal. You know, like if you don't give me what I'm asking for, you're definitely going to, I'm definitely going to take this matter further. And they were like, well, I don't, I don't like uh, being threatened and I don't appreciate these allegations as if I'm lying and I'm not lying at all. This is what you told me verbatim out of your mouth. Um, so yeah, when the word allegations and threat, came into play because how is it a threat to say I'm going to take this matter further I'm taking this matter further and like yeah I just didn't really understand how that was a threat to say that I was going to take the matter further because that's what I was doing is taking the (laughs) matter further um, for me, a threat is something that you're threatening. Like you like say you're going to do something to put fear in somebody. I wasn't saying it to put fear in somebody. I was letting you know what time it was. Um, yeah, this is what happens when you don't provide people who have helped your company. Okay. And to put your company in other people's mouth. So they actually even know what your company is. Because when I was networking, people didn't know what your company was. And now people that I know know what your company is and people that I worked with wanted to work with your company because you were so unprofessional. Even with them, they didn't even want to work with you. So what, (laughs) what would you, so what's your point? Um, and that you've been doing this, isn't, this isn't something that I'm only dealing with. There are people, there are people who went public and, um, I don't know what happened with that. I can't speak on that, but I said that to say that, they just kept dropping a ball. Um, so yeah, those are some things as far as working. Um, 
personally, I mean, honestly, I can go on all day from, like I was saying earlier, the color of my skin, the size of my body, how tall I am, um, or even people grabbing their children when they see me at a gas station or in the grocery store or what else? I mean, there's just so many different things that, that honestly, um, I don't, I try not to think about so much because it's just been so much and it, it could be hurtful because you're just you, you're just another human and people just... They act like they afraid of you just for your appearance or you try to combat that with being nice. And I'm a nice person anyway, in my opinion. But, um, you know, sometimes you feel like you need to not speak your voice or not to say stuff or do stuff that you need to do for yourself because you don't want people to be afraid of you or you don't want people to feel like you're abusing your power. Um, but this year I'm like, I'm definitely speaking my voice. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not doing that anymore, but definitely the fear, you know, grabbing your children or being scared or even me working, going out and working and somebody out in public like, well, yeah, I just saw you on TV. And I was like, well, I wasn't on TV recently. So it was like, yeah, I saw you playing uh, football. It's just people are just too comfortable to talk about your appearance um, and things of that nature or they don't, they don't give you the same type of respect. OK, so one thing I will talk about that I have not talked about um I did, I went to a, um, like kind of like a retreat, a business retreat, we'll call it that. And I was there for, um, over a week and every day we had to wake up, we had to get up early. We had to do, um, our sessions and meetings with, um, professionals and stuff like that every day, day in, day out. So a lot of work being put in. And then I think like half of the group was like black and I noticed a significant difference between how we were treated and how the other people were treated like for one like which is unprofessional I get it you know but on a personal level we all tired and we doing this day in and day out so some of them a couple of people fell asleep in the front row and the person who was in charge one of the people in charge like was physical with them to wake them up and it wasn't like a tap on the shoulder it was it was like he like jabbed them with like his finger and I'm like that's not okay that really pissed me off because I'm like it doesn't matter how small it was like it was still physical you know and like a tap on the shoulder or something like that but to actually like try to inflict pain on somebody no and then when we will go out and um like we would have social hours and stuff like that and we would go out um I get to a bar and I saw one of the people in charge, he would grab the waitress by the waist or he would snap at her and she was African-American. Um, or even when we were, um, we had, one day we had went out of town, we had went an hour away and we had traveled via charter bus. And on the way back to where we were coming from, we pretty much got a tongue lashing because they were like, well, we don't want to hear when you're tired. We don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear that. But it was directed to the people who, who were African-American. I'm like, we're not the only people that's saying that. And I, under, I understand the whole thing of not saying you're tired in front of people. But I don't see the issue. We're all in this together. We're all doing this. We are tired. We're doing this day in and day out for free. We actually paid to be here. So, yeah, I don't appreciate getting a tongue lashing. And I paid to be here. I worked to be here. I traveled, like, what, three hours? Three, four hours to be here? Um, yeah, so I don't appreciate that as if we're lazy, we're like, 
we get on the bus at seven in the morning, which means we have to we have to have a five or six a.m. wake up call, um, and we already being treated differently. We can't say how we feel. Um, yeah, why can't I? Don't, I didn't still understand why we couldn't say how we felt around just each other. We're not saying it to you. We're not saying it to the professionals. Um, that's what people do. We're co-workers. We're co-workers. That's what we, they do all the time. Um, it is so that we have to work harder because some of the kids who weren't, um, a lot of them who weren't African-American, they would go out and party and get wasted. And then they would come back like nothing's happening. And then we are doing the classwork and stuff like that while they over here cheating off of each other. Um, and getting wasted and stuff like that. And they just drinking a bunch of coffee in the morning. So we having to work harder for the same thing. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't appreciate managers, station managers, um, radio, um, people in charge, uh, choir directors, um, acting coaches or directors feeling so comfortable to be so quick to give people of color a tongue lashing for them doing the same thing or not even as much of the same thing as other people are doing. Um, so yeah, I know that was a little bit everywhere, but there's not really much that, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm being honest. I've honestly had to start this over several times this recording because I just don't know where to really start or where to go with this conversation because it's sadly something that I have seen, um, happen too often to myself and to my peers and people I've been around. Um, but yeah, I mean, just touching on these last few topics, I will say, you know, being black every day has definitely come with paranoia. Um, even if it's just driving, you know, at the time I was going to college around those small towns with no African-Americans there being scared to be pulled over. Or one time that I was followed by somebody for like 15 minutes or cops constantly tailgating me or running my tags, um, or even going to a doctor office and being asked if I have diabetes just by looking at me without even checking my chart. And they had their the nurse had my chart in her, in her hands. It's just feeling too comfortable to ask me those questions or to say that, um, oh, you're so tall or how tall are you or how much do you weigh? Like none of your damn business. It's not something I'm ashamed of, but it's, it's just none of your business. That's just disrespectful to me. Um, or even doctors saying, well, you should just accept. You're just always going to be big. Um, you're just always going to be this way. Just give up on yourself. And for me, it's not even about a number on the scale. It's just about how I feel when it comes to health and stuff like that. But stuff like that, or you should lose weight to be normal. Or um, just a lot of stuff that people feel much too comfortable um, saying for a long time. I think one of the biggest things is football. You should be a football player. Why are you not a football player? Like you would have did that. Like what you look like doesn't have to match up with you, what you do in your profession. And to me, I feel like that ties into, you know, a little bit of racism because why are you talking about my appearance? And are you saying football and um, basketball? Why are you not saying soccer? Why are you not saying baseball? Like <laughs> you're trying it. You're doing too much. Um, but I'm just glad that I didn't let anybody let me come out my bag because I know that's what people were looking for. Even working in radio, 
and going out to a radio dinner to celebrate. And somebody was like, well, yeah, a rent, like a tablecloth, like a, um, a napkin, a, a cloth napkin. Um, and they stole it from the restaurant for one. Why are you talking about me? It ain't had nothing to do with me, but we were just walking after. And he was like, well, yeah, I know somebody, in, I know kids in Africa will be happy to eat this. This is really random and unnecessary. Um, and I just looked at him because I'm like, you're not about to get a reaction. I know you're stupid. Like, I know you just, for you to say something like that, you obviously want a reaction. And you honestly want me to come out my bag. And I'm not about to do that because I'm not trying to risk um, me going to jail because I know it would be much quicker. It wouldn't be a, a decision at all. They'll be happy to put me in jail. Um, so yeah, I'm grateful that I did not let people, let people make me come out my bag. I just walk away or I just end it and cut it off. Um, even sometimes when I did want to say stuff, I'm like, okay, do you want to possibly go to jail or cut opportunities off for you and your future and your future family and stuff like that? That's what I've had to constantly remind myself of. Um, unfortunately, but those are some of the things that I've had to deal with, um, as far as generational trauma that I've experienced, um, I think a lot of different things, a lot of different hurt, a lot of different abuse have happened in my family that has not been dealt with. And I'm one of the few or only one to really begin the process to deal with mine and to really go hard with my mental health um, and to address things and not sweep them under the carpet and be honest about who I am publicly. Um I think a lot of things have happened that's been carried down in generations. And I keep hearing, like, well, yeah, you're breaking generational curses. That's not my goal, you know. Um, I would love, you know, to evoke change, but that's not my goal. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot of pressure to stop a generation. Like, that's a lot. So I don't think about it like that. I just honestly think about it selfishly in a total positive way. Like, I don't want this for my life. And if that means everybody's going to ghost me and not want to be around me or don't want to answer my calls, um, then, hey. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to ever regret choosing myself. So that's what I do. And um, my overall experience of being black in America, wrapping up the episode. I would say that we are very talented. And a lot of our, uh, especially entertainment, working entertainment and even seeing it has been appropriated. They don't want to give us the right checks. They don't want to give us the right opportunities. They don't want to treat us uh, the way we deserve to be treated. But they want to appropriate a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I would definitely say. But my overall experience of being black in America, honestly, I've been fearful while being black in America. I've been, um, I think it's been cool too. It's been, it's been cool to have your own community, your your own originality. Because a lot of things originated from us. So to really be a part of that, um, there's a different type of love. There's a different type of love in a black community that you don't feel from other people there's a t- different type there's something that clicks at times when you're around other black people um so yeah there's definitely been some negative and some positive things as well um you know it's kind of been cool to share some experiences even if it's from church or um, music um it's been really cool to relate to certain different things it's, it's i don't know it's kind of hard to uh, um to explain but if you black you definitely know that it's just something that you have with some people from um, our community that's kind of um, unexplainable, and that's really cool. Um, but I do want to say thank you again to Keith for this opportunity because this has been a conversation that I've honestly wanted to have, and I'm grateful that I've been able to start 
to talk about being black in America publicly really the way I need to do it and the way I want to do it. And I say need because I want to speak up more and I want to share how I feel and felt more. Um, so thank you for this opportunity and for the people listening. Just know that we're going to get through this and that change is happening. Um, we've been through way too much, you know, to stop now. Um, and we're strong. We're strong as hell. Um, we've been through everything under the moon, seem like, and we're still here. So just remember that, that we've been through civil rights, that we've been through slavery, that we've, we've been through a lot of stuff, and some stuff is still happening. But um, just keep fighting and think about the future life for your children and your grandchildren and generations to come. That's what our ancestors did. So even if it's not something that you're physically doing, maybe it's a petition, maybe it is a march, maybe it is a protest, maybe it is um, something. Just find something to do, you know? Um, to be a part of it because this is your community and this is the life that you're leaving for your future family to to live. Um, so just, just think about that and take everything day by day and continue to support each other, black businesses, um, black entertainment, the whole nine. Let's make sure you continue to support each other and to educate yourself and to educate others and make sure you follow me, your boy, at Luke P. Sanders. On all social media platforms, and if you want to, make sure you check out my podcast, Luke's Crazy Journey for a hell of a good time on all uh, on all platforms at Luke CJ Podcast on all social media platforms. And thank you again to Keith. I can't say thank you enough. So I really appreciate it.